everybody. This is Carlos. Thanks for joining us. On today's show, we have Eric Griffin of Prism Pythons and Eric Reed of Precision Brewing Company. We're going to be talking about the journey of a new reptile business. How to use an entrepreneurial mindset from other industries to increase your success within the boa game. And finally, we're going to give you some tips on how to turn your passion into a functional business. Boa Rack Radio is on the air now. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today I'm joined by Eric Griffin from ITM Trading and also from Prism Pythons and then uh, his daughter, uh, Hilton, who is also a uh, very motivated young herper. And then I have my buddy Eric Reed hanging out here with us today. Hey, thanks for having us on. Yeah, man. So um, the main reason I wanted to have you guys on is I um, wanted to talk to you guys about what it's like to be kind of new into uh, the reptile hobby, getting how you guys kind of got your feet wet and essentially how you guys have been able to kind of uh, take your newly discovered love for reptiles and turn it into a business. So um, I think right now we're probably looking at about the one year mark since you guys kind of got involved with uh, reptiles. So why don't you tell everybody kind of the background of essentially how you came into the hobby? Okay, so for this part, we should probably let Hilton, my daughter, she's 10. Yeah, you should talk about, so for those of you, obviously, you obviously don't know, but Carlos has been in the game for 20-something years, and we've been friends with him for about eight years, and one time over New Year's, we came up here to hang out. It was like a year, actually, it was uh, 2019, right? The New yeah. Year's 2019, and we came up here to hang out, and we were hanging out in his snake room, and why don't you tell Hilton? spider banana ball python named wizard who you named who i named and and we took him home and my dad had an idea to teach me and my little brother entrepreneurship so he started the business right so basically we I'm an entrepreneur. I have a, a gold and silver company. We sell physical gold coins and bars nationwide, and that's obviously our main deal. But go ahead and hit a plug, man. Go ahead and let the listeners know your company and everything else, in case any of well, them. Well, so are it's itmtrading.com. Where you would want to find us on, on YouTube, you would just search YouTube forward slash uh, itm trading. We put out a lot of financial knowledge information so that people can get the real deal and not what the mainstream media is pumping out. Um, then www.itmtrading.com. Um, and then you can buy any kind of gold and silver physical coins and bars from us. But so essentially we got this snake home and we started with a, and Carlos gave it to us, mind you. And at the time it's probably $600 snake. And so we took it down to one of the local reptile stores and like, oh my gosh, what a cool snake that you guys got. And so we were just buying gear for him, like a 20, we got a 20 gallon tank and we bought all the stuff and then we got a 40 gallon tank. And then I thought, oh, what would be neat is why don't we get a female that we can grow up and then we could put him to her. And so I went out and started doing Morph Market, which if, for those of you who are thinking about getting in the game, don't go to Morph Market if you're an addict because you will buy tons of snakes. Um, But uh, so we uh, started looking at YouTube channels and watching people and we saw Justin Kobilka doing uh, his deal and we ended up buying a a uh, pastel fire 
Orange Dream, Yellow Belly, 100% Het Pied, 50% Het Clown, female, from Justin Kobilka, to grow her up with the intention of putting, at the time, which seemed like a smart idea, a Fire Spider Banana, which makes no sense, actually, now that we've been in the game for a while, which we would not put to her, put to her but we thought, oh, what a cool combo. We could put these snakes together as a four-gene morph with, with a uh, recessive and a possible second recessive and with another three-gene morph and put out some cool stuff. And uh, now we kind of laugh about it because we would never put those two snakes together. And now we're, 30, now we're 34 ball pythons deep in the game, and uh, we're looking forward. We're just starting our first breeding season this year. Yeah, man. So I, kn- I know um, for a lot of the guys listening and, and gals out there, um, you know, it can become pretty addicting. Like my kids joke around with it and call it Pokemon syndrome. It's like you get one and then you're like, you got to catch them all, right? So, oh, 100%. <laughs> dude, yeah. I mean, like you start you start going right after all all the snakes. So now, like, uh, you've been kind of coming over here for a couple of years now, and I'm slowly trying to kind of convert you over to moving over to the BOA game and stuff like that. But I think the, the lessons you're learning, especially about entrepreneurship and the stuff you're teaching your kids is kind of important because essentially, even though there's some kind of stark differences between kind of the ball python market and the BOA market, the ability to apply number one in entrepreneurial uh, mindset to it is important. And number two, the ability to really understand supply and demand is also really, really important. And more importantly, as new keepers, you guys are able to do something that a lot of like seasoned vets aren't able to. And that's essentially, you guys can look at something with fresh eyes and a first fresh perspective and be like, damn, that's really, really cool. And I think that's really pretty or that I think that's really cool. Not necessarily that you care about essentially the price associated with it or the potential revenues that might be associated with that animal, right? But you can look at it and you can be like, you know, I think that looks really, really pretty. And, you know, that would make a really awesome pet, right? Yeah, well, I've always wanted snakes since I was a little kid and my mom wouldn't let me have them. And so my wife was also just freaked out by snakes. She didn't want snakes in the house. And so when we got the snake, basically Hilton really wanted a hamster when we came up here. And she was <laughs> she worked towards getting a hamster. And then when she fell in love with Wizard... She was basically like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? Like, I can have a snake. Yeah, well, you can have a snake. So we convinced my wife to let her have a snake. And then basically we convinced her to, to then have 34 snakes, which is going to turn into much more when we start breeding. But um, while we do, I've always loved the snakes and Hilton loves the snakes. But there's a certain aspect of what you said, which is like you get to make cool stuff. And... So to watch guys like Kobilka, Ozzy Boyds, um, and, and guys of that caliber really taking stuff and bringing it to the next level and making stuff that you've never seen before. Um, there's a guy here in Arizona. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, B, uh, I forget the name of the company. BP Morphed, I think, and he hit he hit a uh, grail snake. So it was a clown, yeah. albino clown. Right, right. Albino clown. And he's selling those things for $7,000. And Ozzy Boyd's bought one. Yeah. You know? And and I think if you can make, if you can have a vision for in the game and make cool stuff and bring the projects forward, that's what I think makes it really, really cool. And, you know, there's a lot of other stuff we can get into and talk about from the entrepreneurship aspect of things that I think if you can be good at business, 
you can be good in the ball python or the boa game because it's really all about understanding how to build a business and then how to market it and how to get people to follow you and like you and love what you're doing um, and that's kind of why we have Eric Reed in the room because he's super passionate here about about making beer he makes amazing uh, craft beers and we just love what he's doing. We're talking about the entrepreneurship aspect of it and really building that business from the ground up. And I think there's a lot of potential in, in that game. And, and he is, uh, I think, just at the beginning of what's possible in that area. Yeah, no, totally. And um, so for the, ones, for the listeners that don't know my background, um, prior to me kind of getting into the, the BOA game, I uh, spent a long time within the military special operations community. And uh, one of the things that I ended up kind of doing uh, when I started leaving the service is I ended up setting up a uh, military training company, right? So I trained for the most part guys in for the most part guys in special operations in like various uh, shooting techniques, but more importantly, like emergency medicine techniques, because like my particular job within the military special operations community tended to be focused within emergency medicine. So Eric Reed was just at the time one of the local college kids that used to hang out with us and I used them actually to run targets for me initially. And then eventually he kind of worked his way into a point where he actually became an adjunct instructor over the years and became a super proficient shooter and was actually able to translate really advanced shooting techniques to guys that were, you know, on SWAT teams, guys that were in the military and guys that were in the law enforcement um, perspective along with civilian students, right? Now, um, over the years, he eventually ended up becoming a fireman, okay? And he's a local fireman here to uh, the city that we live in, which is Flagstaff, Arizona. And, um, you know, just hanging out with him, being a good friend and a close family friend, um, you know, he kind of started, after he finished his fireman training, he started delving into, like, kind of craft beer. And dudes, for those of you guys that have not had the pleasure of trying some of his beers, they are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, like, today he brought a couple, uh, four different beers, for us to try, yep. and um, two of them like knocked my socks off. One, like no BS, was probably the best beer I've ever had in my life. Um, but oh, thank you. yeah, yeah, man. So and we're just trying to get him to start his own craft beer business so he can get <laughs> yeah. it off the ground and kill it in the craft beer business. Yeah, and the we're reason not that quite there yet. yeah, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is really because that mentality of starting a business, whether you guys are doing it within the ball, the boa game, within the ball game, or within any other pursuit that you guys are passionate about, like the same lessons apply. Okay, number one is you have to essentially start creating something that you feel is really good, something that you personally enjoy, right? And then the second thing is start sharing that vision with other people and start sharing those products that you enjoy with others. And the reality is, if you really enjoy it, there's a pretty fair chance that other people are, are really, really going to enjoy it. And that kind of mentality of, uh, you know, always striving for perfection, striving for the best things that you can try to potentially produce really does apply. So Eric, um, Reed, why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about, so, about how you got involved into like the craft beer game and kind of what you're looking forward to vision wise and kind of some of the different offerings that you got going on. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you guys for having me on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. Carlos and Eric, I've, I've been watching you guys do what you do for, for quite a while now. And, uh, and the, the passion and the the interest and the everything that you bring into the game is is truly inspiring and uh 
with that, you know, I just want to say, like, you guys are kind of my idols for... I'll get for, out of here, dude. Uh, come on, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for taking taking my interest and my personal my personal interest to the next step and and uh you know what you do and what what just looking around i i wish you guys could see what what i'm looking around here in this room here but uh we're literally sitting in the boa room guys like we're surrounded right now by probably 60 breedable adult boas and probably another you know 50 holdbacks i probably think there's probably you know my the 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 collection that i maintain over here is probably right around 130 animals on average and some of them are super great examples of of boas so i mean if you were on a if you had a youtube channel we can really show them what you had because it's you got some really cool stuff and what you're going to be making with those is even cooler yeah and and don't let them undersell you for what we're seeing around here. Um, the The bigger picture, though, is following your dreams and and doing what you're passionate about. Man, it, it is something it is something good to see, and and there's a lot of good stuff come from it. And we're only we're only starting here, and we are hoping to expand. And I know these two are looking to follow the same path. And the thing about it is, is that if you have a passion, or even if, if it's snakes, because that's probably why you're listening to this, do it. Go for it. Because it's really, you just have to take the risk and just do it. Because entrepreneurship is a game that everybody can do and everybody can get involved in. And like we were just talking about the tax benefits of entrepreneurship. You know, even if you take a loss in your first year of doing something. So let's say you're building a business from the ground up and let's say it's boas, you love boas, and you buy a bunch of snakes and maybe you put $10,000 into buying a bunch of snakes and it's a legitimate business and let's say that you're a fireman, a teacher, whatever your job might be, you can then take those business losses because you invested in a product to buy those snakes to get the business off the ground and you can write it off against your income and then you might not pay any taxes from your regular business for that year. And then you you basically have a zero investment into into your new business that you're super passionate about. And that's what we've been talking with Eric Reed about, about the power. And that's what I talk to my kids about. It's, it's about the power of building something that you love. And you can do it on the side from whatever else you're doing. And you can really enhance your life and grow what you're up to and be excited about it. So let me let me ask you something, Eric. Like, what kind of attracted you to brewing your own beer initially, and how did that end up sucking you even deeper into the point where you like became a perfectionist about it and started experimenting with different formulas? Because the reason I bring this up, it's not too different from what like reptile guys do, right? We decide we're passionate about a certain species or a certain morph, and then all of a sudden, like. We want to make it better. We want to enhance it. And then we look for different ingredients to try to boost up the natural strengths and characteristics of that particular morph. I guarantee you if Eric Reed was in the boa or the ball python business. Oh, dude, he would be insane. Yeah, he would would be insane. Yeah, man. What kind of of got you started with it, dude? Well, so I'm sure a lot like you guys, I am very much an all or nothing kind of guy. I'm either 100% in or I am... Have zero interest in in following that, whatever it is. Yeah. So, 
So with with beer, you know, there's there's a chemistry behind it, there's a science behind it, there's and and there's a culture behind it, and and I think the culture is probably what what drove me in the most. But there's it, it really is you can make it whatever you want it to be, and whether or not people enjoy it, I mean, obviously if people enjoy it, that's a great thing, and that's probably a good start to any successful company is anything is any anyone else enjoying it but well we enjoyed the hell out of it for for the <laughs> listeners that do, yeah dude for the listeners don't know basically today I, we're what do i have here is I, this a p this is a that that's a the, blood orange that's the blood orange blonde i call it the bob yeah delicious yeah and, dude and you know i i think that's the the first big thing first big step of anyone enjoying anything that you do is 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 just sharing it with others that that have a like interest and you know what take that passion and run with it and um dive in deep man and like these guys have i mean they they have dove in deep into what they have done and it is impressive and they can tell you a little bit more about what what paths are going down but if you find something you're passionate about just go all in yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think so. Obviously, you want to try to find things that you're really, really passionate about. But more importantly, you want to surround yourself with people that are going to help you absolutely. move forward down that path. So, like over the years, I've had the, you know, I've been involved in the boa game for I think like since the late '90s. So I've been doing this for a really long time, and most of the time I've been a private collector. Most of the stuff that I end up producing and selling tends to go directly to other pri- private collectors and other breeders. Um, but you know, kind of along the years, I've tried to really surround myself with guys that, you know, have had a similar outlook and really try to hone things to perfection. Guys like, uh, Chaz down at Loki Boas, guys like, uh, Brad Sherman, uh, down with Brad Sherman Reptiles, guys like, uh, uh, Thomas Cobb over at Boa Morphin, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Boa Addicts. And a lot of these guys really, like, I see the stuff that they're producing and it inspires me to produce even better stuff every year. And um, I think really that kind of focus and that ambition and almost like, I hate to say it, dude, like there's even a little level of jealousy associated with it, right? Like you see some of the stuff that other dudes are are, are producing and you're like, damn, why am I not producing stuff to that level? And obviously there's kind of a financial component associated with it. But the reality is, dude, I've... I've done this and I've done the boa, the boa game thing and the reptile game in general because I'm involved both in the boa game and in the ball python game. And I've done this stuff for a long time. And this is something that it's gotten us to the point that, you know, like my kids are off at college because I was able to finance, for example, like their travel sports, you know through the reptiles that and they were phenomenal at sports let's not not (laughs) give them that's true let's give them their due credit yeah and then like you know but travel sports are expensive and at the time you know i was freshly out of the military i was you know uh going to college and everything else and when i was doing so you know that's how i kept my lights on that's how i paid my bills like i've been fortunate enough to be able to I mean, I don't want to get into specific numbers, but it's fair to say that I've made six figures multiple years, you know, out of a single bedroom, you know, or a single room in my house. And I think 
there's well, not, big. There's, not to mention the tax write-offs that you get from. Doing well, dude, the right tax. On top of that, not just the income, but the tax write-offs. That's like, like now that huge. I'm done. Now that I'm done with school. Now that I'm in the, at the point in my life where I'm practicing medicine, and you know, I'm going out there, and I'm being able to, you know, uh, have like a, you know, successful, quote unquote, grown-up career, right? Like the tax benefits save my butt every year, right? Well, there's a reason why multi-level marketing companies promote how much like the tax benefit is. And having this entrepreneurship business that you love because you love keeping snakes, it just saves, I mean, it saves you a lot of money. You just, just, even if you didn't sell a single snake, if you have it as a business, it's a write-off. Yeah, no, and that's the thing that I tell a lot of people getting getting into into reptiles in general when they want to take it a little bit more serious past the, you know, I'm keeping a pet now and to the point where I want to make some level of a business out of it. I tell them, dude, you got to do it the right way. You got to be able to kind of, you know, set up your company. Okay. You got to be able to promote the company and stuff like that. Because even if you do not make a penny from it, you have the ability, as you're saying, to make, to utilize it as a write off, right? right. You so you're going to be. The IRS right. doesn't care. You can do it for five years with a loss without a single gain. Yeah. And the thing is, you're able to pursue your passion essentially and be able to take those losses. And b by the way, guys, when I say take those losses, I don't necessarily mean that you're losing money, but those are the years that you're breeding up your you're building up your breeding stock, right? These are the years that you're setting the foundations to make you successful. So like when we, so like I said, uh, both of these Eric's are really good family friends of mine. They're basically like my brothers. I, I, I see Griff over here as like my older brother and Reed over here as like my little brother, right? So when these guys come over and they, they have something that they can produce that they're passionate about, especially something like, for example, Reed's beer that is absolutely mind-blowing, it's absolutely insane that he isn't yet setting up his business, setting up a business to number one, fund his passion, right? And number two, to share his passion with others. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I mean, he's right now he's he's a guy that, and that's why we've been essentially nagging him all day. So we basically spent the whole day hanging out. This it's Saturday evening right now. We spent the whole day, you know, just eating fish tacos that my wife made drinking Eric's craft beers and then playing like this old Ecuadorian card game that originated from and Germany called Telefunke. Looking at all your badass snakes. Yeah, and sitting here like right now we're podcasting straight from my boat from from my boa room surrounded by nothing but boa racks, okay? And and the reality is, you know, we've been trying to motivate him to really take his game to another level. And I think that a lot of you guys listening maybe have considered in the past saying, you know, I really would like to breed boas and I'd like to invest more time and money into them, but what do I do? Like, what's the next steps? So, Eric, uh, Griff, if, if, if Griffin, if you wouldn't mind kind of talking about, you know, how you would go about maybe setting up kind of those, the infancy of a business, yeah. things that you would look for, because I know you've done it very successfully with, not only within the reptiles, within prison pythons, right? But you've also done it within the precious metal trading market, right? So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, it's one of the, one of the things and the reason why we started it with my kids is because I wanted them to understand that it's not really that scary. It's not really that hard to do. It's a step-by-step -step process. Sure, it takes funds. Sure, it takes wherewithal. And you got to know what you're doing. But you can fumble your way through it because the government actually benefits those who are entrepreneurs. They, they benefit in a monetary way, those who are willing to invest in their own business. So the, the very first thing that I, and I actually had Hilton do this, 
is I had her fill out the LLC paperwork to start our S Corp, right? And so Hilton, how, Hilton, hold how on a second. That, Hilton, Hilton what, what was that like? But how long did it take you? Uh, I don't know, not that long. 20 minutes? 20. Maybe less? How hard was it? It wasn't hard. So we have a 10-year-old girl here who sat down with LLC paperwork and was able to fill it out within 20 minutes and fill out the whole thing perfectly. And that was the very first step of starting our business. The next step was getting an EIN number, taking those LLC paperwork, going to the irs.gov website and getting an EIN. And that's, that's the thing you need to be able to get now the write-off piece. Now once you have the EIN, then you can get your bank account set up. So that's step three. Now you got your bank account set up. Now you gotta fund it. So you take some personal funds and you loan the company the money from your own personal funds. And that's a write-off from your personal to your business. Now your, now your business has debt. Now it can write off that debt every year with the with the interest payments and the debt payments. And then now you've got the money to buy your boas, your pythons, or whatever it is that you want to buy. Or, or your or beer. Your, your or beer. your beer. Or you build your beer. And then you start building your product. Well, like for snakes, for example, our feed bill is up to about $100 a week. So now we can write off. Hold on a second, dude. I wish my feed bill was $100 a and week. you feed so, frozen so thawed. Oh, yeah. My, You're $100 a week and... And you are just starting out. Yep, hundred dollars a week in okay. feed. That's live. Hit if you if we were able to be successful at getting frozen thought, we'd be at probably a fourth of that or a third of that. So to give you an idea, right now, and and, and I know guys like Thomas and Richie and a bunch of other guys listening out there. Uh, shout out to Thomas Cobb from Boa Addicts. Shout out to uh, Richie Cisneros. Shout out to all, all my buddies out there, uh, Brad Sherman, Chaz. But like, for example, my BOA, my feed bill is $500 a week. A week. A week. Holy crap. But see now, you might you might think, oh my God, that's, that's terrible. And how am I going to afford that? But you also think like, okay. Brew beer. Let's say, let's, say, <laughs> let's say that you're a, and I'm talking to you guys from an entrepreneurship perspective, and that's why I'm on the show, right, is because that's what I'm good at. But so let's say that you're a teacher and you make $50,000 a year, which is high for a teacher, I know, but let's say you make $50,000 a year and you have $10,000 in taxes you pay a year. Well, let's say your feed bill is $100 a week, so that's $5,200 a year for your feed bill. And that's an expense, so you get to write that off against your in your other income, with your and you know talk to your CPA, but you get to write that off against your other income and reduce your total tax bill. So in a sense, it's free because you're gonna pay that ten thousand dollars a year. And yeah, you're gonna income. pay regardless. So you get your feed, you get your feed for your snakes, you buy your snakes, and now you write that off, and you can and you can buy your rack systems and all that, and you can depreciate those racks. And take that against a losses against other income that you make. So you could essentially, in your first five years, pay zero taxes on your other, you know, income and build your snake business on the side. Which why wouldn't you? It's an easy thing to do as far as the way the government has this set up for you to be successful. So you're saying that essentially you were getting paid to do what you're doing. Yes. And you're getting your paid to do what you love. Like yeah. because you're getting that refund at the end of the year, which is 
all the money that you spent basically on building up your craft beer business or your boa business or your python business you're getting that paid back and that's money that that's money that would be going towards taxes anyway yes. right instead it's going towards your business correct exactly 100% understood and the, and the government understands that when you're building a business from the ground up that it can take a long time so they don't even care if you make a profit for the first 5 years that's 5 a, years it's a yeah. no brainer yeah and that's Absolutely. the thing and, and that's the thing a lot of people are really afraid to pull that trigger and to kind of do it legally because they're like oh man am i breaking some sort of tax rule am i doing something like that the reality is no you're not this is essentially what businesses everywhere have been leveraging to be able to make them successful to help help them get kind of established and started and I, I mean i've done the same thing with my kids as eric has done like my kids have their own pieces within this boa collection they have their own ein numbers that they leverage within this collection to be able to try to make some extra money for them and, and you know it's really helped them kind of get set up like right now my oldest daughter uh, you know she's in college and you know she's leveraging this information to kind of set up herself in the business she's currently studying finance at uh, uh arizona state university and you know she's learning the she's I shouldn't say she's necessarily learning it, but she's seen some of these same lessons that she's learned throughout the years being repeated, except now she's paying for that knowledge, right? And the reality is you don't always necessarily have to pay for that knowledge. What you do have to do is you have to have that entrepreneurial mentality. You have to have that hustle you know, built into your bones that you want to be able to utilize. And with that that stuff kind of in mind, that kind of is really the tools to be successful in really any pursuit that you decide to chase after. So that being said, now that we've kind of talked about some of the entrepreneurial side, let's kind of get into a little bit of the reptile side, a little bit heavier. So Eric, kind of, I know you're not a boa guy yet with the, you know, caveat being My yet. My doesn't want me to be. Yeah, but you know, you know, you know, you so I, I think I kind of like boas better because I think they look cooler. Yeah, and I know, and I know you've been eyeing a lot of the VPI stuff today. That's been oh, and the, the T plus albino stuff is just so cool in the boa game. Yeah, dude. So I think eventually we will get you to to that point. And I know Hilton isn't going to complain because Hilton just likes anything, any snakes that are pretty, and she's she actually likes reptiles, she likes reptiles she in got general. An awesome, uh, bearded dragon that's a uh what is that it's a hypo blue hypo, bar blue bar trans 60 per 6 percent hat trans percent hat trans yeah yeah so um basically we just dove head first into the game we started looking at all the stuff figuring out what we fell in love with but i'll tell you we are car like carlos kind of pointed to it earlier and i didn't get to i didn't say anything about it because we kept rolling forward, but but having a mentor in the game is huge. Like we can call Carlos anytime, and it's like, hey, I'm having a problem with this. What do you think we do? And so he's always there with an answer. And if you can have a mentor in the game, there's nothing more valuable. And I don't care what business you start, if it's mortgages, gold and silver, baseball cards, whatever, boa business. If you have a mentor in the game, there's nothing more valuable than that. And to be able to call on somebody and say, hey, I'm having an issue with this. What's your thoughts? It's just super powerful. But we, um, Carlos, you know, basically was like, you guys should get in, you know, start focusing on the recessive genes. So I think now in our 34 snakes, 
we're, we're kind of broad. We're not super deep in anything, but we're broad, which might end up, I don't know yet, but it might end up being a downfall. Well, let, let, let's be honest. You, are, you aren't as broad as you think you are. I think, I think some of that maybe uh, relates to the fact that you're still kind of newish okay. in that game, but I think you're fairly focused. So like, for example, you love the Desert Ghost, stu- ghost stuff within the Ball Python stuff, mm-hmm. right? We're both working together on a series of Monarch uh, right projects right we got a lot of visual monarch stuff we got some uh head stuff and we're producing some insane like double and triple head stuff coming up okay so i think obviously like we do have kind of that that honing and then you're into kind of the puzzle gene stuff puzzle sunset monarch desert ghost pied clown um a lot of different recessives and uh i i guess and even like dreamsicle stuff. I mean, we got a ton of things. I guess if I was going to, let's say I was, but gonna everything compl- everything complements itself it can, super yeah. well. That, I, that's I think a, the, though, that's if I point. was going to start over, right. right, and we were, I was going to do it again, knowing what I know now, a year and four months into it, is I would probably focus on a handful of genes. Like I kind of wish that. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll just say this: like we're fifty something thousand dollars into this game already right just right. from buying racks from freedom breeder and buying snakes. shout out to jesse out there oh jesse at freedom breeder is awesome like you need anything you can call him he'll answer the phone and he'll he'll talk to you about it and that's what's cool too about the the ball python game i can't speak to the bow game but i can speak to the ball oh no python no no game. one thing and one thing everybody's Je- super helpful it is dude and, and and the same thing mind you jesse is heavily involved in the in the ball python game but dude, we've been utilizing him for on the Boa side for years. He's a good friend of uh, my uh, co-host, co-host uh, Thomas Cobb, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think we're gonna Thomas is gonna have Jesse on the show coming up soon. Awesome, he's yeah. such a good dude. Yeah, no, he, he he's like about as solid the as they the come, and super entrepreneurial, uh, you know, mindset. He took took on that business from his dad and just made it explode. I mean, that guy has got a, a good head on his shoulders. Um, but anyway, so. You guys have made a fairly significant investment kind of right off the bat, Huge, right? Yeah, big time for us, right? Like that's a big chunk of money to spend in, and it's in sca- what, 16 months? Yeah, dude, and it's scary because like that first year. It's obviously- not because you, you're you our mentor yeah, and because we know that you've been successful and we know that we can follow in your footsteps to a certain degree and also be successful. So I'm not really worried. Like all that money that we put into it is a write-off. We got to write that off against other income. Right. So we didn't lose anything by doing it. It was a win-win. Well, so you know, now, though, we've built the foundation for which we would move forward. But getting back to what I was going to say is that I think if I had to start it over, it's like we really love Monarch, right? I mean, that's one of Mo- your... Monarch is probably like... I'm a boa guy, but ball python-wise, that's by far my favorite gene. Yeah. Shout and, out to Rance out there. And we got some stuff off Rance. We even got some stuff off of uh, Robert Hurd, right? Yeah, Robert Hurd out in the UK. Yep. So, I mean, like, I, I think that if you're starting out, if, if, whether it's boas or pythons, I think going deep on maybe a couple of genes that you really love and trying to expand on that, um, but not necessarily like if I was going to do it today, I wouldn't go clowns and I wouldn't go pieds. Because it's so saturated, right? Right, the market's super saturated. I mean, unless with that you're stuff. Justin Kobilka or Ozzy Boyd, I think it's harder to win in the game of pieds and clowns. Right. right. If you're those two guys, you can win in the in that game all day long. But unless you're really pushing that project forward. 
But I mean, I think if you go on Morph Market right now, there's thousands of clowns available. So, but if you look at Monarch, you look at Puzzle, you look at Sunset, you look at, to a lesser degree, Desert Ghost, there's a lot less saturation in the market and you can push that project forward a lot easier. So I think if yeah. I was going to start over, I might just focus on maybe Sunset, Monarch, and Desert Ghost is what I would pick. And I would run from there from a ball python perspective. I don't know. Maybe you can comment like if you were going to start over from the ground up, what would you do in the boa world that you think would move people forward? Yeah. So like the boa world is a little bit more complex in the sense that you can't guarantee that, for example, a boa is going to breed every year. Okay. So that makes it significantly more complex. Like within the ball python game, let's call a spade a spade. If you have a ball python two size, Okay, and it's to the point where it can breed. Chances are, that bad boy is going to end up breeding that year. Okay, and you're you're going to have babies on the ground unless you royally screw it up during incubation, right? Or you are just lazy about the way that you're proceeding. Okay, within boas, they are notoriously difficult to breed. Literally, you could do everything perfect in the boa world, and you'll end up with a boa that decides not to breed. Okay. Which is probably why you love them. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, totally, dude. There's a certain level of complexity and difficulty associated with them. And I think that's the thing. When guys are super successful in the boa world, you know, there's, like, a, um unspoken level of respect that exists out there between boa breeders, okay? Especially guys that produce year after year after year, okay? So, for example, um, whenever I go down to Phoenix and I go see probably, like, my two best friends in Phoenix within the boa game, which is uh, Brad and Chaz, okay? I go down to either Brad's facility or, or Chaz's facility. Every year they end up producing stuff fairly routine. They are always pushing the envelope within the boa game, and we're going to have Brad on um, fairly soon. Um, and these guys, you know, like they really do things right. And yeah, you're obviously impressed by the level of stuff that they're producing, right? And the complexity of the genes that they're kind of mixing together and how they're pushing the entire BOA game forward. But the most impressive stuff is their consistency, right? And that's something that not everybody could do. I mean, like, I, f I fancy myself a pretty solid BOA breeder, but the reality is every year I, I don't get the BOAs that I want to go to go, right? Every year... I may breed a boa and I end up doing everything perfectly to the book, okay? And they slug out, okay? I get nothing but slugs. What do you think? I'm curious because I don't know. Dude, honestly, the, the slugging out could be simply that maybe I'm seeing some breeding activity between the male and the female, okay? And he simply doesn't deliver enough sperm. He doesn't breed the female long enough, okay? And is that a you problem or is that a snake problem? Well, I think that might be him looking at at Carlos here and seeing seeing his face and, and going. <laughs> that, might be, that might be it, dude. I I think they see my they see my ugly mug and they and they back off, right? You've been looking at the snakes too many times when they're in there reading. Yeah, dude. But honestly, like it, honestly, like boas are so finicky that literally there's times where maybe I turned on the lights in my boa room too often. And now they don't want to breed because of that, right? And I mean, like... So do you think that it's more of a you problem than a snake problem? Oh, 100%, man. Like, like if they're left I their feel, own devices, you think that they would be more successful? Uh, I mean, in the wild, totally, because they breed in the wild on a routine and successful basis. 
But I think I'm doing everything to the best of my capability. And it, a lot of a lot of years, it's not it's not good enough, right? And well, this is a while too. The and female that, is selecting the male on her own. Yeah, you man. Know, she might get presented with a bunch of males, and she's only going to pick the one she wants. Whereas in your world, you're actually giving her the male you want. She might not want. That. Well, the problem is, like, dude, you could do everything perfectly, and you could put in the ideal perfect male, and that dude will literally go inside the cage and sit on the opposite side of the cage and not want to do a damn thing with her. Yeah, and this you is could my first breeding season. And we have, actually have uh, one of Carlos's. He has a uh, pastel Mojave monarch male that is beautiful. And I've been trying to put him to a whole bunch of stuff to make badass hats. And it's just funny to watch. Like, he's super into it. He wants to breed every female, but not every breed. And not every female wants to get with him. Yeah. And, they'll, they'll... and mind you, so, like, that's ball pythons, right? Mm -hmm. The bow game is a thousand times more frustrating. So, like, the thing that I was explaining to somebody else that was interested in kind of investing in the reptile kind of marketplace is, like, Boas have pros and cons and ball pythons have pros and cons. The beauty with a boa is you know it's going to eat pretty much every week, right? Yeah. But where everything goes to shit is basically when breeding season hits, right? They might not necessarily breed even if you do everything perfect. I mean, I ultrasound my stuff, my snakes. I verify that, you know, they got the right size follicles and everything. And sometimes the male was just, you know, I'll pop him. He's producing sperm plugs. Everything on paper should be perfect. And then I introduce the male, and he does absolutely nothing. Whereas in ball pythons, obviously feeding, let's be honest, feeding is a pain in the ass with ball python. Getting ball pythons up. How many up, times have I called you and been like, why is the snake not eating? Right. And getting ball pythons up to size is a pain in the ass. But breeding is a piece of freaking cake. You know, nine out of ten times, if the conditions are all right, the ball python is going to breed the female. The male is going to breed the female, right? So I, I think you have two sets of challenges going on here, okay? But I think one set tends to have more variables associated with it. And that's why, I, I mean, I, I have ball pythons. I have boas, right? And both of these animals end up driving me nuts for a different set of reasons. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the ball pythons from them going off feed, that famous 1,000-gram you know, feeding shutdown that everybody talks about. And then with boas, the the lazy male breeder or the unreceptive female, right? I, I, like these things kind of get to you. And it's important. The reason that I bring this stuff up, man, is it's important to understand that even if you do everything perfect, right? When you're setting up a business, there's no necessary guarantee of success. And even if you have success, there's no guarantee that those animals are going to sell at the speed that you hope or expected that they sell. Well, that brings into another piece of the whole entrepreneurship game, right? Because you got to be willing to do the stuff that's going to make you a thought leader in the game. So like you starting the podcast, right? That's a, that's a big step in, even though you've been in the game for a long time, being a thought leader, like if you look at Justin Kobilka, for example, and I even model a lot of what I do with ITM training around that what Justin Kobilka does, right? And and or whether it's Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a guru at marketing, if or, or Tim Ferriss, those guys are authentic in who they are and what they do. But on top of that, they're thought leaders. They are adding value to the game and they're doing it in a way that makes people know that they are the best at what they do. So 
you look at Justin Kobilka, and it doesn't take very long in the ball python world to see that he's one of the best in the world at what he does. And so what does that make you want to do? It makes you want to ball buy your ball pythons from Justin Kobilka. No, it, it, dude, I get it. Is, right? I get it. And I mean, the same thing happens when you're talking about guys like in, in the BOA game, like Jeff Ronnie, Michael Roscoe over at the reptile shop in Temecula, okay? Uh, guys like that just, you know, guys like, you know, throughout the game that con- constantly elevate the game mm-hmm. to new levels, right? These are the guys that really are, number one, pushing the innovation of not only what they're producing, but... Number two, how they're marketing those things that they're producing, right? Right. Yep. And another new guy to the game that I follow who's done a really good job is Miguel Garcia of Always Evolving. Oh, no, dude. Right? That, that, here's the thing He's with that dude. He's crushed it with his social He's crushed media, it. And people want to buy from him because of it. Yeah, no. The guy, you know, regardless, he, he's a fairly controversial guy, in my opinion, as far as some of the views that, like, the old school guys. Like, I've been around, like I said, within the reptile game for, like, you know, 25 years roughly, okay? And there's a lot of older guys that hate on the guy, but I will be straight up. The things that he is doing, okay, is introducing dudes into the game that maybe have never considered doing reptiles as a business in the past, right? For sure. He is getting new investors in the game, dude. And I can honestly say, since he has come on the scene and started hitting it hard, I have seen my revenues increase because of him. Mm-hmm. To the level of like, for example, Brian Barchik, where he increased when he was really blowing up with snake bites a couple of years ago, my revenues were increasing in those during those times because these guys were bringing new people into the game. You know what I mean? And not only are they bringing new people in the game, you know what they're doing really hardcore is they bring in influencers like social media influencers, which also then those social media influencers now bring new people into the game, right? And I think that's why it's important to not only be able to do business from the traditional business sense that, yeah, you know, I'm going to set up, you know, my LLC. I'm going to set up my, get my EIN number. I'm going to start writing stuff off. But also, hey, what am I doing like within Instagram? What am I doing within, you know, the other aspects of the social media game to kind of blow up, you know, what I'm doing? That's why, like, for example, like now that Reed, Eric Reed now is like making this phenomenal craft beer. Dude, you need to open a goddamn Instagram page for that stuff. You need to start getting other people, you know, sharing like the process of brewing and creating the beer. Obviously, you don't want to release any trade secrets of how you're brewing it. But, dude, there's nothing wrong with showing just, you know, kind of the process. Because the reality is the vast majority of beer drinkers will never brew a single beer. They do not understand the complexity and the process that's involved in making that beer. And it's similar to kind of the reptile side. Most of the people that are new to reptiles, they don't say, oh, this thing's got this gene and this gene and this gene. They're like, damn, that's really, really pretty. And I want that. And the thing with your beer, it's like, they're like, oh man, that thing is absolutely delicious. I want that. Or better yet, they might see his passion and be like, this guy knows what he's talking about. I want to try his beer. And, And I think that's where we draw a lot of similarities between between all three of our passions here um with with you guys with the the ball pythons and the um and the boys and the boys like it i mean what i've been seeing i mean is is purely just a a passion for for the game really um and and that's where we draw a lot a lot of similarities and 
and that's where to me as being someone like Eric Griffin here with with 34 snakes that you've got going on um, what personally Carlos do you have that you think that you would be good information to someone starting off without any snakes or without any beer brewing or without any anything um, or hell with 10 snakes right. that, that you think would be productive to, to your listeners out here that, that, I mean, I know, I know my personal thing. If you're passionate about some dive, dive all the way in. And, and if you find out that you're not passionate about it a year later, 10 years later, cool, good. Dive on out. Right. But, but what uh, you've got for, for the people who are just like me and just like Eric here who are just getting in. Honestly, find something that you think is awesome. Find something that you are passionate about, okay? And then dive into it. Like, one of the things that I told Eric super early on when he started getting into, like, deciding to actually invest into this industry, and it's the same thing that I would tell you within, like, the, the craft beer game, right? Is make what you want. Make what you wish somebody else would have made for you. You know what I mean? Like, find... Like for you with your beer, find that beer that you, if you were to sample it at a bar, you'd be like, God damn, that's a really good brew. Well, I think we all had that a little bit earlier today. Dude, that, that one beer. And talk talk a, talk a little bit about, about kind of those four offerings that you're working on. Well, so so the four offerings we're working with right now so far, and and, and mind you, we're, we're very, very, very early in in the stages of our brewing, and, uh, and, and we're... So, so both the Eric's here. I'm, I'm Eric Reed, Eric Griffin here with, with the Boas, or with the uh, Pris- Pythons. Well, yeah, Prison Pythons. Um, we are very, very early in our stages of, of developing our own businesses. Um, but I, so we, we both started with what we loved, right? Uh, I started with a red ale and, and worked with that until it is absolutely. Dude, that red ale is phenomenal dude that honestly that like i was telling you earlier dude that's and, and i'm like a, a craft beer nerd like it i really er, every every time i travel every time i go anywhere like the thing that i do is i find a local brewery i try whatever the best craft beers is but dude that red ale like i tried it maybe a year ago when you first started kind of experimenting yeah, about, with the formula ago, yeah. and dude you've tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it and i think like now you're to the point where that is probably the best beer that I've drank in legitimately the last decade. So, so there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist. No, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a perfectionist. You created something that, like, one thing that you said to me today that kind of stood out is you created something and you're like, dude, I don't know what else I can do to this to make it any better. I think this is on point, right? Yeah. And I completely agree. Like, I drank that. It wasn't harsh. It was smooth. It had a great flavor with it. Like, in my mind as I'm drinking, I'm already thinking, dude, this would be, like, phenomenal with a steak. You know what I mean? Or this would be phenomenal with this other, like, dish of food. And I think the reality is that translates really, really well, regardless of the industry. You've made something that, number one, you enjoy more than anything else. Yep. And now you're sharing that with other people. And pe- the other people are like recognizing, number one, your passion into creating that. And then number two, the quality. Well, right. And I think that's how, that's how really a lot of successful businesses have gotten into any industry ever. 
realistically. I mean, you you look at you look at um, Sierra Nevada. I mean, we're we're sticking with breweries here. You look at Sierra Nevada. They they found a product that they loved and that a lot of other people loved, and they ran with it, and it worked. Um, that's what I'm trying to do here. That's what I know Carlos is doing here. And I mean, not being a snake guy, just taking a look around this room here, like he's nailing it, guys. Um, so realistically, find find something that works for you, and run with it. And and like I said, that's that's one of four that we tried out today here. Um, the other the other three, I think, are still in a little bit of a developmental stage. Well, dude, honestly, that that blonde, like that blood orange blonde, that Bob. It's close, man. Like I said, yeah. I, I, I mean, just my personal palate. Really, I would like like it to have a little bit more of a citri, citrusy finish. But really, at the end of the day, dude, it doesn't honestly matter what the hell I think of it. What matters is what you think of it, right? I mean, like, so here's here's the deal that a lot of people that maybe it's gets lost in the yeah sell it. yeah the thing that gets lost in the weeds, right? Is that obviously when you guys are producing, for example, a boa that you're really in love with. And somebody maybe looks at that boa and maybe they shit on that boa for some reason because they don't like it. Who cares? The whole point of this whole thing is create and breed something that you're passionate with. Something that really appeals to you any, more than anything else. And then once you get to the point where that really is what you've been looking for, you get to that kind of end stage. And mind you, you might not always get to that end stage. But when you start approaching that end stage... And then you begin sharing it with people. I guarantee it, you will find your market, right? Mm -hmm. The one thing that I try to convey to a lot of people, especially when they're coming over from like the ball python side of the game over to the boa side of the game, right? Is that the main differentiator between boas and balls is that within the boa game, we pay for quality, right? For example, in the, in the ball python game, you might pay $100 for a pastel ball python, Okay. But let's say you find an exceptional, exceptional example of that pastel ball python. And the guy that wants to sell it to you wants 500 bucks for it. Chances are the vast majority, I would say 90% of the people involved in the, boa game, in the ball python game will not pay that $500 for that ball python. Because they'll say, this is significantly over market value. I do not want to pay for that. I think I'm getting ripped off. Whereas in the, in the boa game, we pay for quality. So right? do you think those people just don't think that that ball python is worth Dude, so the worst part, so if you were to ask me what the worst absolute part of the reptile game is, buyers that waste your damn time okay. trying to nickel and dime you because they've seen a product that they feel is comparable, okay? I think that is, to me, that's the one part of, of in general, the reptile industry that drives me nuts. People that hit you up trying to lowball you for something that you know uh, is worth more. The worst part of that is a lot of people eventually reach a level of frustration where they're like, yeah, I need to get rid of this snake already. I need to make some money. So I'm going to sell it at whatever lowball offer that might be. Okay. And the problem is that doesn't only hurt you as a breeder. Okay. That ends up hurting the entire marketplace. Okay. Whereas in the boa game, that's, less frequent and less likely within the boa game if somebody produces like for example uh, uh let's say somebody produces let's say 
somebody gets some of uh, Richard Cisneros pastel line out there and they have an RC line that looks pretty good and let's just say it's a regular RC line pastel you might pay 250 for that right but let's say somebody has an exceptional RC pastel and I see it and the guy wants a thousand dollars guess what I'm gonna pay him a thousand dollars okay and I know I'm over potentially quote-unquote overpaying for that but the reality is if you want to move forward in any industry you need to bring in the best ingredients possible so you're saying just like anything else out there you you 100% get what you pay for 100% dude you get what you pay for and if you want to produce quality you need to bring in quality and there's no shortcuts in doing it right? in, in that sense there's not man I'd rather have less snakes with higher level of genetics okay quote unquote ingredients okay than I would to have more snakes with more genetics in them okay why do you think we buy mostly Kobilka Ozzie Boyd it's because they produce the best quality we yeah no the best quality absolutely shit, man right? absolutely man and the thing is the guys that are truly successful in the game okay guys that are really rocking it whether it's in the ball python game okay or guys that are rocking it in the bow game like for example last couple of years the guy that's been really blowing up like there, there's been a bunch of boa guys that have been super consistent producing really nice stuff right but like i noticed uh, the last couple of years there's guys like sergio hernandez who's been on the show that's really producing just mind-blowing stuff okay guys like michael roscoe producing mind-blowing stuff like the like the guys over at uh, at boa affliction producing mind-blowing stuff okay uh, Jeremy Solis, mind-blowing stuff. Those guys, I know when, when I deal with them or guys like, for example, uh, like uh, Tyler over, over at like Chroma Constrictors and, and, and other places, dude, I, and guys like Chaz, I pay extra because I compare their level of stuff, the ingredients per se, to other breeders and nobody else is producing that level of quality. So I'm okay paying two, three, four times more in order to get those prime ingredients, okay? If you want to be really, really successful within this industry, the one thing that I know is, number one, you got to build your niche, right? But number two, you have to think almost like the craft beer industry, right? If you get garbage ingredients into your craft beer, it's going to taste like shit. Even if you do everything perfectly, it's going to taste like shit. But that's, if you use that's the... real, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. But if you use the best... And it's the same thing, like, for example, that we're seeing uh, within the coffee industry, right? So yeah, I got friends... Absolutely. I got friends, for example, at uh, Black Rifle Company. I got friends at Sea State Coffee, right? Like, these guys are going throughout the world looking at the absolute best ingredients, okay? And they produce, like, the best coffee that's out there, right? And they run major corporations like Starbucks into the ground why because their ingredients are better and people are starting to recognize recognize that you want to pay for quality right when you pay for quality you're gonna get quality it's a lot better to spend your dollars on quality than it is to get more of crap 100 percent, 100 percent, right mean, I, I can i can say i can tell you that that's the case even in uh my main business which is the gold and silver business right like you can buy gold and silver from a lot of different places, but if you buy from us, you're getting one-on-one hand-holding from real people who've been in the game for over a decade. They might have, like one of the guys who works for us is one of the, what was the number one bond trader in the country. He's 73 years old, but 
for 20 years, 30 years, he was the number one bond trader in the company. So, in the country. So, when you talk to this guy, he's got crazy knowledge. Now, we're not the cheapest, we're not the most expensive, but if you're going to call us and try to get the best price, you're not going to get the best price. Just like if you call an Aussie Boyd or, or no, you're not going to get Chaz or well, any of those guys, you're not going to get well. The I'll give you. I'll, I'll, you're going to get phenomenal quality, and that and that's what it's all about, and man. You know what if you're producing phenomenal quality, you have to mess around less with the people. You actually save more money getting quality than you do buying crap and buying crap consistently until eventually you arrive at and quality. And you're not going to have to deal with the people as much that are going to try to nickel and dime you. I think right. we had this conversation earlier before we ran out of beer um, where where you talk to people who know who are subject matter experts who like literally have dedicated their lives to whatever you're talking about, whatever you are interested in in that moment. And and they know more about that than 99% of the people Amen. out there. Amen. And 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 Carlos, we've talked about that with with some special operations training yeah. stuff. Yeah, and within the firemen's the firearms industry and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And and Eric, we've talked about that with the precious metals stuff. And and really, you you pay that little premium up front, and you and that pays you back ten times on the back end. Well, and of, I can tell you in the snake world, right? Just being in it for the short period of time that I've been in it. It's invaluable to have the relationships with people who you buy from that have your back. That not only will help Absolutely. you identify the babies that you're producing, or if you're having a problem with the feeding, giving you little tips and tricks on what to do. Like we had this one snake that we bought from Kobilka that he's a, a Enchi Mojave head pied male, and we got him. He ate one meal. And he didn't eat for a long time. I called Kobilka and I was like, hey, what do you think I should do? And he's like, try a mouse. So we tried a mouse. He ate the mouse. Now, it sucks that he's a mouser, but I can get him to eat every week now. Yeah, he no, totally. Every week. And, and, I, and that, rat, he denies it. And now, and, you know and now we, here's the beauty of that. Now you can start rubbing the mouse on the rat and eventually you can transition him over. You know right. what I mean? And I've got him to do that a couple of times where I rubbed it on there and he was able to take the rat. But... To have the relationship with Justin to be able to say, hey, what do you think I should do in this situation? Or with Carlos, what do you think I should do in this situation? I've called multiple guys in the game that I've bought from that I paid extra money for the quality, but now I have the relationship and I can I can get help from those guys whenever I need it because they're, they're the best in the game. Yeah, no. And, and, and so, for example, like one of the things that I was talking about with one of my previous guests about is like uh, the call line of albinos within uh, boas, okay? So uh, for you guys that don't know, there's two major strains of uh, T-negative albinos within boas. There's the call line and then there's the sharp line. And for years, the sharp line has been really viewed as like the cutting edge line, the more colorful line, the prettier line, and therefore has had a higher price associated with it, right? But then you guys, for example, like the Petrovic brothers over at Petrogenetics, and they've Essentially, what they've been doing the last couple of years has been mind-blowing, man. They've been scouring the country looking for the absolute best examples of, like, the call albinos. The, the type of albinos where people have said, oh, yeah, the, this line has no color, right? And these guys have found some of the best lines throughout the country within that call line. And now they're producing phenomenal boas, right? The thing that drives me nuts is then I see some people saying, well, I'm not going to pay 
$1,500 or $2,000 for a Cal Albino. Well, guess what? If you do not want to pay for the best that's out there, you are not going to get the best that, that's out there and you're going to consistently produce crap, right? And no one's going to and buy it. And no one's going to buy it. You're, once you produce your snakes, they're going to sit on your in your racks for months at a time. Nobody's going to want them and eventually you're going to have to sell them off at wholesale. Okay, so, so right. and you're gonna make less money. Whereas, like for example, if you go and you go to the Petrovic brothers and you're like, "Hey, man," or maybe you hit up Corey and you're like, "Corey, I want like the best Cal albino that you produce this season." And he sends that over to you. Yes, you're gonna pay significantly more money than you would somewhere else for that thing. But guess what? When that thing breeds up, it's gonna produce way better babies. You're gonna have way better quality, and therefore, in the long run, you're gonna make way freaking more money than you've potentially made in the past and even if you have no intention of breeding you are going to own the best example of that particular morph right and that's the thing that people forget here's the thing i love the reptile business i've made six figures in the reptile business pretty much every year you know for the past you know decade about okay I, it's kept me afloat when I've been in college. It's kept me afloat when I was out of the military. Okay, it's kept me afloat where both me and my wife went unemployed. Okay, it allowed us to live a normal lifestyle. Okay, and all these guys that are here on the show—they've known me for that amount of time, so they can attest to how that's true, and that's always kept me up and running. Okay, but the only reason—the only reason I've been able to do that—is because. I have been able to produce quality animals that other people who have an eye for quality have been able to appreciate and therefore have been able to justify spending the money on. And it, and it all starts, don't, it, unless I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, it all starts with a passion for Absolutely, man. Absolutely. 100%. And that, that's why, like, regardless of the industry that you're working in, if you're passionate about anything that you do, you're going to be successful. I think the number one precursor to being good at anything involves having a legitimate passion for it. Okay? And then a vision. Yeah. And then goals. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. A passion, Make... vision, and goals. Yeah. Setting it up in, in kind just of... just like you and I talking about like the Monarch Project and like what vision we have for, what do we want to get into it, right? What do we want to see in that snake? What do we think is going to make it cool? And trying it. And sometimes they're going to be successful and other times we're going to fail but regardless we because we still have the passion for it it doesn't matter because we love it and whatever we produce we're going to love it regardless sometimes we're going to hit what we want to hit and we're going to be like that's awesome and other times we're going to hit and we're not going to be like that's yeah and, 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 and i mean we we had this conversation pretty thoroughly like what two three weeks ago when we were talking about kind of the breeding plans right mm -hmm. obviously i own the the kind of high dollar male monarch that we're kind of putting into your females right mm -hmm. down at your facility in phoenix and the reality is like it's right now it's really tempting and really easy to say let's just make more monarchs because we know we have the ingredients to make these and we know we're going to be able to sell them because there's guys right now people are sleeping on that project dude let's be completely honest within the ball python game that's probably one of the things that people are sleeping on but the people in the know Guys like Justin, guys like Miguel, guys like Justin, uh, like uh, Tom Harbin over, over on the East Coast, right? 
These guys aren't sleeping. They're pushing the envelope on this. And eventually, what's going to end up happening? We're going to produce some badass stuff, and all of a sudden, people are going to be playing catch-up, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is, if we just sit there and produce and try to make all this, you know, medium-range money around, you know, like the the kind of $1,000 to $3,000 snakes at the current moment, the reality is that's great and everything, okay? But if we want to be ahead, if we want to become a leader in that particular segment of the industry, we have to produce stuff that people aren't even thinking about. You know what I mean? We have to produce stuff that people haven't even considered, right? So that's what it takes to be a, a industry leader, right? Right. No, totally. Um, what, what, what are your recommendations for people who are just getting into the game, though? I mean, there's there's plenty of people here listening that that are not trying to That's be a great an industry question. leader great question yeah so I, I think number one you have to understand you have to take a look at yourself and say am i in the position to be able to catch up to the people who are industry leaders or do i potentially see an opening somewhere else within the industry that i might be able to fill that particular niche once again supply and demand right there's a bunch, the beauty with whether you're into the ball python game or the boa game or the beer game is there is a lot of opportunities within both of those games to find your niche, right? Absolutely. And it's really identify that niche, okay? Make plans to see, do you have the resources to be able to, number one, get the, the best ingredients that you can to be able to get you started on that process? And then number two, Set, a, set yourself a plan. You know what I mean? So, for example, like me and Eric within the Monarch Gene stuff within Ball Pythons, we could chase visuals right now and make money out of it, okay? But the reality is we're chasing double heads, triple heads, stuff that people aren't even considering right now, okay? And we're looking, more importantly, at some genes that maybe have been forgotten that might really complement it well, right? And doing that is going to position us that maybe, yeah, we won't make as much money this upcoming year, but two, three, four years from now, oh man, we're going to be positioned super well to push the envelope forward. So if, if given the chance between, and obviously you do a very good job of marketing and, and just looking around, you do do a very good job of, of doing what you do. Um, between marketing and and just following your passion um, for your viewers out there what are you what what's your biggest recommendation well i think he nailed i think he nailed it on the head when he said that follow your passion because with beer for example you're following your passion Absolutely. you're making stuff that yeah. you love so regardless of if you're successful at producing something that sells or not you still love it Right, 100%. and that's and that's what makes the difference. At the end of the day, amen to that, dude. Because here's the reality: if you it, make a dollar or not, you are making something that you love, that you share with other people that also love it, and they and you can share that passion. So, if you hit or miss, doesn't matter because you love the game. A warrior only knows one thing, and that's to enjoy the journey, enjoy the struggle. Period. Because if you don't enjoy the struggle, you don't enjoy the journey, it's not even worth starting the game. It's not worth starting the process. Yeah, so let me ask you something, right? Yeah. 
if you would never, if you could never sell a beer to anybody and nobody other than you would taste a beer, would you still make beer? Absolutely, 100%. And, and I think that's basically to the core of the argument Eric is making here, right? And the reality is, if I could never sell another boa, guess what? I'm still going to be breeding boas because I like it. It makes me happy. Don't sell sell yourself short now. At this point, point, don't sell yourself short. Yeah, man. I I enjoy it. It makes me happy. It's, this is, this is my Zen room. Okay. Cause like my life is super high pressure. Obviously I have the high pressure end from the medicine stuff, right? Yes, absolutely. I have the high pressure end from training military special operations guys which I still and do to from this day. Friends like Eric and I. <laughs> yeah, right. I have the high. <laughs> We're not low stress. Or so the game. Yeah, I have. I, I'm. I'm constantly in stress. So, like, I train jujitsu every day. I'm a. I'm a black belt in Brazilian jujitsu, right? So I go out there, and I'm a smaller dude, so I have to deal with these giant men that want to rip my freaking head off on a consistent basis. But he guess doesn't what? Let him, by the way. But I, yeah, <laughs> I try, tried. Yeah, <laughs> we've tried. You know what I mean? And and the thing is. I have a fairly stressful but yet very productive life, okay? But when I come in here into this room, especially when I'm stressed out, when I come into my snake room, I just take a deep breath and then it becomes in. I clean cages. I take out the snakes. I play with them. I'm like, ooh, this one's getting bigger. Ooh, this one maybe needs to get soaked because maybe the shed didn't fully come, didn't come out nicely. A brewer who has no interest in snakes hold on to snakes who is not very comfortable holding on to and dude I go <laughs> I go into the room in the snake room every day in spot clean because I love it I know the snakes don't need me to go in there every day and clean and fill their bowls and all that well crap, here here's the funny I love it here's the funny shit I love looking at them how many years have you known me before you even decided to get a snake. We didn't decide to get a snake. You gave us a snake. Yeah, I gave your daughter a snake, yeah. right? Because she was nagging me for a couple of years. Seven years. And I finally convinced your wife to let her. Yeah. Right? And like, did you know that me giving you a pet snake would evolve into a business you've invested 50 grand into? No. And now you're looking at investing more in something that you're growing up and something that now your kids are learning how to be entrepreneurs from. No, I would have never have thought that. But I'm super grateful for it. I'm super grateful, and I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for the future because I see the vision for the things that we can make and, um, and enjoy the snakes for what they are. Like just being in your room today and getting a I, – I don't know anything about boas, but getting an hour-long uh, – like dissertation <laughs> yeah on, on boa genetics on boa genetics and why what makes the boa is cool it's just something that's really neat and to see like this see this snake over here that's a uh what is this moon glow thing a vpi moon glow holy crap it's the coolest but what is that snake over there that i love what is that one down oh there? that's the t positive albino something yeah so like that snake that i think you're in love with uh is a uh, vpi uh VPI uh, Red Panther Jungle that uh, was produced uh, by Al over at the Boa Zone on the East Coast. That thing's and I think, amazing. Is it thing so, I mean, you see that thing. I love it. And, and as you can see, you look at my boas. They're like the top, the best examples of that particular gene that I can find, right? And I, and I will go out of my way to try to afford the best that I can 
on stuff like that. Shout out to Big Al. Like, yeah, and you know, like you look at that, you you get blown away. You look at, for example, like that that era that uh, Arab IMG. Uh, that's you know het for VPI, impossible het for call, like stuff like that. That like you know even guys that don't necessarily know all the boa genetics, you can open up that tub and you'd be like, God damn, that's cool looking. For sure. Absolutely. I can attest to that. Yeah. You just get one look at it and you just know it's it's legit. Yeah. There's 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 just something special Makes you about want it. it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Even you if you get a snake eye, you're like, damn, that's really freaking cool. No, one hundred percent. Like it's 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 half the tubs I open up in here. It's it is impressive what is going on in here and and it's just a testament that that goes behind following your passions and and if you're gonna do it then do it right and and that is what these two gentlemen here have done and and that is the example that they have set that i try to live up to that that really keeps us all going forward all right guys so that's been pretty awesome uh we're gonna go to a break real quick and then we'll come back in just a second All right, guys, it's time for the Dirty Dozen. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you 12 questions. You give me your 12 straightforward answers, all right? Yep, got it. Give me your thoughts and everything else associated with it, but let's uh, let's go ahead and hit it. So here's the Dirty Dozen. Number one, what's the size of your current collection? 34 ball pythons. All right. Number two, um, let's talk about husbandry real quick. Are you a frozen thought or a live guy? And what's your, betting, what's your betting choice? Uh, I like Repti Chip, and I feed live but the ones that'll eat frozen thawed i give frozen thawed to but the only reason i don't force frozen thawed is because i'm trying to grow the snakes up as quickly as i can so i can get into the breeding game faster so a lot of the snakes i bought a lot of females to start and it takes a long time to obviously grow them up so i feed them whatever they're going to eat all right number three what is your favorite morph My favorite morph, because I love the way they look, is Desert Ghost. But my favorite morph for potential is Monarch. All right, cool. What's the most underrated morph? Underrated? Yeah. <sighs> underrated. I don't know. I don't know if there is such a thing. I think that anything that you can make cool is great. I don't know that there's anything that's underrated I think that like Sunset for example is probably a newer recessive that has a lot of potential but I don't think it's underrated it's super expensive but I think there's a lot of potential yet to be seen Puzzle has a lot of potential that's yet to be seen Monarch is a lot of potential yet to be seen um, but I don't know about underrated I don't know if I've been in the game long enough to know under if there's anything underrated alright so what's the most overrated morph you know what's funny? I would say pied or clown, but it's mostly just because it's super popular and oversaturated. But you, you know, if you look at the stuff that like Kobilka has been doing with clown, I can't say it's overrated because I mean, shoot, the Magma Project, the Pompeii stuff that he's been producing is ridiculously cool. So there's still a lot of stuff that can be done with clown that is amazing. All right. In fact, I think the Pompeii is one of the coolest snakes I've ever seen. All right, number six. We're halfway through. What is your favorite part of the hobby? Looking at the snakes every day. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. All right, number seven, what's the worst part of the hobby? Cleaning tubs. <laughs> the day, like, my kids dread it. Like, I told them tomorrow is snake cleaning tub day, and they're like, no, no, let's not do it. And I'm like, well, you can do it by yourself on Monday since there's no school. And they were like, all right, we'll do it tomorrow on <laughs> Sunday. We'll do it with you. It's terrible. All right, man. Uh, number eight, do you keep any of the other species and why? Other species of snakes? Yeah, or any that you want to keep. Yeah, I want to keep. I want to get some boa. I want to get whatever that one is over there. That VPI, VPI Red Panthers? Yeah, I want that thing. It's so cool. Also, um, I'm going to say it wrong, but the Somali, Somalia Baleni. Uh, Baleni. Bolens pythons? Oh, the Bolens pythons are the coolest. I think those are just absolutely amazing. All right. Number nine. In fact, that's my dream snake. All right. Just as a pet, not to breed. Yep. Number nine. What is a common misconception about you? Mm, common misconception? Uh, I think sometimes people think I'm standoffish. Sometimes people think I'm standoffish if they don't know me. But I'm actually, I love to help people and I'm usually super generous. And I think a lot of times I'm very straight to the point. So people sometimes think that I can be a jerk. But I'm really just kind of like a no-nonsense, straight to the point kind of a dude. All right, we're almost through these. Number 10, what makes you say... What was I thinking when you look back at your time on the hobby, even though it's been short? Being What's friends a... with us. <laughs> uh, what was I thinking? Well, when you when I, when when you look at your rack and you go, I have thirty four ball pythons and I have fifty thousand dollars invested in this, and I go, what was I thinking? <laughs> All right, man. Eleven. Uh, what's one tip you would uh, give uh, to people looking to invest in reptiles? Pick a lane. Find something that you think is really cool and that you think has a lot of potential and invest in that one segment and become hyper-focused in it. And that might be like, it might be like, oh, you know, I really want to focus on puzzle. I really want to focus on sunset or monarch or, you know, uh, what's that one that everyone's kind of loving right now is that tri-stripe, that recessive, uh, that, you know, if you focus on one thing and kind of go deep rather than go super broad, I think you can have better success long term all right man and finally and this is for both of you guys any shout outs <laughs> uh shout out to carlos rojas just for getting me in the game and always being super helpful anytime i need it yeah thanks for having us on man it's it's uh, a great pleasure to be on the show and uh like i said before don't really know a whole lot about snakes but um big big fan of following your passion and yeah, it's good to be on here and and promoting that all right, guys, so that was an awesome episode. Boys, uh, thanks for joining us today. So tell them where they can find you. Again, Carlos, thanks for having us on. Um, they can find us on Instagram, uh, on precision, underscore brewing, underscore co. And we're just getting started on our pilot systems, and we're just starting to uh, come out with some awesome brews here. So be looking forward to what we've got coming on in the future, and we will keep you guys updated. Thanks again for having us on, man. All right. Griff. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Prism Python. That's P-R-I-Z-M Python. And then we're on Facebook at Prism Pythons. And our YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash Prism Pythons. <laughs>
Wow, guys, that was a great episode. Thanks to Eric Griffin of Prison Pythons and Eric Reed of Precision Brewing Company for joining us today. Join us on our next episode as we speak with Corey Petrovic of Petrogenetics and we chat about the resurgence of ecology. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Do us a favor. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Until next time, grow them slow.